This is Pine Glass Football, and I'm your host, Brad Fowler. On this show, I'm going to drink beer and give you my opinions and discuss the latest news around the NFL and college football every week, from the NFL draft all the way to the Super Bowl. Not only will you hear my takes, but I'll bring on media professionals from places like ESPN, NFL Network, CBS Sports, Pro Football Focus, Yahoo Sports, Fox Sports, and many other media outlets in order to bring you the most informative and entertaining football podcast out there. Don't believe me? Well, PGF has over 400 ratings and reviews and is ranked inside the top 1% most popular shows in the world, according to ListenNotes.com. The podcast is available at PintGlassFootball.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So become a member of PGF Nation and hit that follow or subscribe button right now. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast part of your day. I'm Ladarian. And I'm Chris. I hope all of you are well and safe out there, and how are you, my man? You know, a little sad, a little happy. Uh, got some dark times ahead in the uh, in the Jets nation here, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it looks grim. There could be some positivity there. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll get to that in the second segment of the show. But let's just jump in and talk a little college football before we get the ball rolling in the NFL. And to me, there's some interesting storylines, but to me. I, I got to talk about Colorado. And to me, what Deion Sanders has done in two games, he's literally doubled the win total of of the Colorado Buffaloes in two games. So for those who, with the math, Colorado won one game last year. They went 1-11. and 11. And Deion, and it's not like he's beaten scrub teams. He's beat a, he beat a very good TCU team yeah. who was just in the national championship game last season. And then Nebraska, we can debate Nebraska nah. on the on the on the rebuild, but nonetheless, he's beat two he's beat two solid schools, and and to me, Chris, it's amazing. I think we talk about his son Shadur Sanders. We got to put him in the in the Heisman conversation. Completing seventy seven and a half percent of his passes. You know, I love my quarterback the accuracy. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions. And and then you look at his the receivers and around him, Xavier. Look at Xavier Weaver, Travis Hunter, who plays two ways. By the way, he's also he's also he also played corner. And yeah, Jimmy Horn, Dylan. To, to me, Chris, people. I was told that Colorado was going to be this good this early. I was told by pundits, media. And this goes to show you, Chris, the importance of coaching, especially at the collegiate level. Because in this day and age, it used to be a time, Chris, I don't know if you'll agree, where we always to give these college coaches at least like three years to kind of put their stamp on the program, to kind of get their guys in, get the other guys guys out. But Dion's has used the transfer portal, Chris, and, and I know it's a little early in the show to do trivia, but we're not even three minutes into the show, but we're going to do it anyway. Chris, how many players do you think 
Deion Sanders has gotten from the transfer portal. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the range. I'll give you within ten. Uh, so within ten players that came and went that like are still on the starting roster and cut, I would say probably like sixty. Yeah, the the number of players that are on that came by the transfer portal, fifty one players. Oh, all right, yeah. That's yeah. A- yeah, so yeah, yeah, we'll 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 send Chris a, a cookie for for getting it correctly. We can't say the name of the cookie. Legal we'll get him. We'll get him a cookie. It won't be an Oreo cookie as as a cop out. We'll get him a legitimate cookie. So you know, and people and arguments again. Oh, whether she use the portal or not. Listen, Chris, we're in a time where if the the, the transfer portal, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks, old faces and new places, and look. People can knock Dion for for that, but listen, when you're a one in eleven team, it, it's hard to make the case of why not. You know why not have these guys come in, and why not make the moves? But but that, that to me to me is arguably the biggest story in college football to me. But to me, I want to get some of your thoughts, Chris, on week two of the college football season. Your thoughts, and you know even Alabama, Texas. With a pretty good football game, your thoughts? Yeah, your thoughts. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm gonna start back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback your your Colorado conversation. I think that Colorado and Ohio State have something massively in common, yeah. and you know what that is? That is called overrated. Ah, TCU is not a good football program. TCU, if you look at their line scores. It's constantly 45, 40, 50, 30. They, they, it's, it's like a God. It looks like the WNBA national title, whatever that shitty game is called. It's just these, these mid 40 scores on both sides of the ball. TCU is not a good team. TCU is just this overhyped train. TCU is that team that they want to be good and, and they force them into positions and they did it last year in the college football playoffs and they put them in a position where they shouldn't have been. And then they just got outright utterly destroyed. It, what, what it looked like is when Thanos was holding vision by his, his little purple superhero throat and he just ripped the, 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 whatever's the mind stone right out of his dome piece and just dropped him. That's what happened to TCU. And it's the same thing, and you know, in teams like Ohio State, you put them in a bowl game, and they get smoked faster than a bowl at Snoop Dogg's crib in the mid '90s. And you know, and it's gonna be the same situation. So the script now is gonna be uh, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. We gotta have Colorado in the playoffs just to go get outright smoked by well, 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 by some well, team. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off, my friend. I didn't mean to cut you off. Like we're, we're we're on the debate of the Senate floor here. Uh you know, I know you know go against you know rules of order but i i don't no i don't think i'm not on the colorado playoff situation i'm on the colorado has has looked better than what experts think and, and it's easy listen nobody's saying tcu is great but we have to acknowledge the fact that chris i know the college football playoff okay okay but great. but we're but in this situation i see what you're saying but my argument is 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 that those who are bringing up college football playoff conversation, we got to put that on pause because they still got to play Oregon. 
and I, and, I, and I believe they still got to play USC. I'm not sure what the they Pac-12 do. schedule. Yeah. yeah. So 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 let me break down their schedule to you. So game one, game two, they played TCU, and they and they barely beat TCU. They beat them by a field goal. And this is the the oh so great overrated Horn Frogs. But Nebraska yeah. have hasn't been relevant since like the 90s. And next week they go to Colorado State, so they have their their little in in hippie liberal whatever rivalry game in Colorado. I then they go to more. I didn't know that. Didn't yeah, know. yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm dubbing it. Uh, and then they go to and they play Oregon again. Oregon's an overrated program. If you want to know how many national titles they have, look at their school emblem. It's a big O. Uh, then USC comes to them. That's their first real challenge. Now, if they want to go and they, and they want to the, get some respect, put some respect on it, uh, how how the Birdman says it, then beat USC because USC they're just another one of those overrated programs. I don't have a lot of respect for the Pac-12. And we could say, oh, you know, the Pac-12 is undefeated in Week One, and then you know, whatever, you know, a broken clock's right twice a day too. Colorado wants to prove themselves. They got to go out and they got to go beat USC or at least make the game competitive. I don't think it will be. I think Coach Prime is going to be over there having a borderline Urban Meyer situation. If you don't know what that is, look up cardiac arrest in the dictionary. Uh, the the weekend after that, they go play the the STD capital of college, which is Arizona State, and then they play uh, Stanford, which hasn't been decent since Chris McCaffrey left there. Then they play UCLA, and then Oregon say whoop de doo Basil is what Austin Powers would say to that. And then they go to Arizona, and then the Washington State Cougars. The only thing that they're known for is that red flag that goes to every single college game day. And then the most reputable team, I truly think, on their schedule is their season closer in rivalry week, and that is against the Utah Utes. That, I, I, the only two games of real relevance in their entire schedule is USC and Utah. Yes, Oregon is there, but Oregon is always forced into the equation because they're owned by Nike and they have cool uniforms and they have a cool basketball court. So they automatically are a fan favorite and they have money. So they're just pushed into the conversation. But outside of that, if if Colorado wants to put put themselves out there, and you know what? You're you are right. They have won twice as many games as they did last season, which isn't hard to do if you only win one game. So yes, credit is given where credit is due. Yes, Deion Sanderson has thrown for six touchdowns in two games. Again, credit is given where credit is due. But look at the defense he was playing. Not that hard. Everyone throws touchdowns against TCU. It's like Oprah, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. They're, they're just the, the touchdown defense of the uh, of the NCAA. So we're going to move on from them because I know they're just going to be a little flash in the pan and and they're just going to you know ferry away. Um so I guess let's talk about some of these other games. So of course, you know, week two, you're not going to get a ton of good games. You know, you look at some of the matchups. You know, the big Penn State playing the University of Delaware. Oh boy! Uh, just in case you guys are wondering, the University of Delaware, their mascot is a blue hens. Yes, don't expect yes. much. Don't expect much out of a team that is named the Blue Hens. The, the uh, great no, Joe Flacco. The great yeah, Joe Flacco. Exactly. He's about the only cool thing to come out of Delaware besides when I was living there. Uh, you know, Notre Dame and NC State, you know, that, that game kind of went to script. Uh, Ohio State had a, a very, very tough schedule against Youngstown State. Uh, I'm sure there's some type of community college in Ohio that, you know, Ohio State definitely had a, had to persevere against, as, as, as Kirk Herbstreet would say. Um, you know, Michigan at UNLV. Um, of course, Georgia just outright rolled over Ball State. Um, you know, one of the one of the games that was a good shootout was Miami and Texas A&M. Of course, it's the first time that Miami has beaten a ranked team in 
God knows how long. So all of a sudden Miami's going to the college football playoff right next to Florida State, apparently. Um, you know, LSU definitely took their aggression out on uh, Grambling State. Uh, Florida State, of course, they're padding their stats against uh, Southern Miss. Uh, you know, again, whoop de doo Basil. Uh, you know, Florida State played, or uh, excuse me, University of Florida played McNeese. Um, definitely that came, uh, again, they took their frustrations out on that. Um, I definitely think the game of the week, though, and the staple of the week was the uh, Alabama-Texas game. Um, so fun fact on this, and she threw me a trivia fact. Um, I'll throw you one. Do you know when the last time that the Crimson Tide have lost at home in Tuscaloosa by double digits? Let's definitely in the Saban era. Uh, I'm going to say this has to be early on in the Saban. Saban took over, I believe, was it 07? Because he left Miami. I'm overthinking it. I'm going to say double digits, though. You know, that was the one point he gave me a song for him. Carry the five. Uh, I'm going to stick with I'm gonna stick with 2007. Um, so you are actually wrong, which is odd. So it, let's go it, ahead. It, let's it, put that in the history books. So the last time, happens. so the last time that Nick Saban lost at home. Was in 2003. Oh, wow. So I was four years off. Okay. Yes. And do you know who beat them in 2003? Okay. I gave him one trip. He's giving me two. Yeah. Well, so this is a follow-up question. Let me, let, me, let me see if you can you can redeem yourself here. Was it an SEC team? Yeah, it was an SEC team. Okay. Now, also remember the question here. This isn't just about Alabama. I said, when was the last time a Nick Saban lost at yeah, home by I wanted, Yeah, I know because he was at LSU, so. He was also at LSU before he went to, yeah, yeah because he went Michigan State, LSU, then he took the Alabama job. No, he went to Miami, then took the came back to yeah. Alabama job. We ain't gonna talk about pro football. Well, listen, he he, had, he was a pretty decent coach. wasn't that bad. He wasn't like Steve Spurrier bad, and we and I love we love Steve. Yeah, but we love Steve. <laughs> he wasn't Steve Spurrier. Bad. Um, okay, so I'm going to. It'd be ironic if it was Alabama. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, would be. Uh, Alabama was cheeks. That's why he took over. So, because they had, they went through the money. Oh, God. I don't even talk about it. I'm going to say. Who's good? SEC 2003. Arkansas was decent. Mm. Oh, man. Florida? No, I don't know. I can barely remember Florida ever playing at Alabama. I guess they don't do it often. So, I'm going to say. Not Vanderbilt. No, that's not an answer. Um, you know what? Ole Miss. I know I'm wrong. Are we locking that in? Is that your final answer? Sure. Why not? All right. So you did have it right, and then you backed out of it. So the last time that Nick Saban lost by double digits at home was by Florida. It was a 19-7 victory in 2003 when Ron Zook. Yeah. See, that's why I said 3 I'm like, is that that? So you got to remember, I, I believe, and, and so this stat, you know, you may hit me with a stat correction after the show. 03, I want to say, was Chris Leak's first year. And that's when he came out just outright swinging. So that's the last time that Nick Saban lost. So that was like, 
the actual stat count was the last time that that happened was 7,273 days ago from the day of the loss on Saturday. That's a lot of days to, to get, get double tapped at home. So, I mean, a hats off to Nick Saban for able to pull that off for that long. And then B, um, you know, I guess hats off to the Texas Longhorns, the future SEC uh, member. So, you know, this does add to the equation now, you know, uh, Texas coming into the SEC is, is definitely going to raise uh, some ears and eyebrows, I think, uh, you know, that they just crippled the almighty Alabama at home, which a lot of teams haven't done, to be honest, especially in the Nick Saban era. Um, but, you know, if you look at the stat line, though, you know, there's two differences between the Longhorns and the Crimson Tide, and that is at the quarterback. So we'll, we'll look at Quinn Ewers. He was 24 for 38, 349 yards, three TDs. Uh, Jalen uh, Milrow, 14 for 27, 255, two TDs, but two interceptions. You turn that ball over, you will lose the game eventually. And that is exactly what happened there. Um, it, you know, uh, Alabama, they... They didn't, they didn't look dialed in. I expect the rest of the season. I think this is going to be their one loss and they're going to carry on, um, you know, because uh, anything outside of a one loss, your your chances of making the uh, the, the playoffs are very, very slim. Um, so with that being said, it was a great game, though, nonetheless. So, I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Um, you know, Texas is definitely on a track where they can they can find themselves in some good situations. Um, you know, cause if you look at their schedule again, I don't want to, you know, hurt feelings, but let's look at the factual information here. Texas, schedule isn't exactly hard. Uh, next week they play Wyoming. Oh boy. Um, what's the last thing to come out of Wyoming? Uh, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. I mean, well, maybe we'll bring up Josh Allen next week because this week would not be a good week to bring Josh Allen up. I think, I think it's a great week. It, it is because God damn those jets, but we'll, 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 we'll talk about that. Um, after that, they go to Baylor again, a non-relevant team, Kansas, non-relevant. They have their, uh, little, little, you know, red river showdown or whatever they call it with Oklahoma Red river rivalry, or red river. Yeah. That one. Um, so, okay. You know what that game, you know, I know that game definitely does bring some heat. Uh, then they play university of Houston, BYU. Oh boy. Uh, Zach Wilson's alma mater, uh, Kansas state TCU. We've already talked about how useless they are. And then Iowa state and then Texas tech. Um, again, Texas Tech was cool when uh, Patrick Mahomes was slinging there, but you know he's now slinging for another uh, redheaded team. So Texas's schedule is essentially they could go undefeated this season into the playoffs if they play their cards right. Um, they don't have they don't have competition. Oklahoma is the only game that they're playing that is of any relevance, any relevance. So let that sink in. Um, now the question is going to be, so when they jump to the SEC, they're no longer going to have the cupcakes of the, the Baylors and the Wyoming's and the BYU's and the university of Houston's and, and TCU's and Texas techs. Um, they're going to be playing big boy ball, you know, essentially 11 game, I'll say 10 games a season. I'm sure they'll play a Texas team in the rivalry game, or maybe they'll turn that last week into, uh, Oklahoma. Um, and then outside of that, they're going to be playing the SEC. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. You know, Alabama schedule, um, it's definitely not as forgiving as Texas's because, you know, they actually have to play, you know, teams of relevance. 
um, which of course is the the biggest issue within the SEC. Um, you know, they do get a gimme game uh, next week against uh, USF. Uh, then they play Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, uh, Kentucky, and then their warm-up game before the rivalry is Chattanooga. And then, of course, they got Auburn at the end. Um, so they have definitely an uphill battle. Ole Miss is definitely not a slouch team. Uh, Tennessee, as much as I can't stand them, you know, and they're ugly orange, uh, they're no slouch. Uh, LSU, you know, it, it depends what Brian Kelly shows up to that game. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the Auburn game. There have been times when Auburn shouldn't have won that game, and they have. So those those rivalry games definitely play some tolls on it. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens essentially with that. Uh, you know, other than that, you know, uh, you know, looking at the Gators game against McNeese state, uh, I think they definitely looked, uh, a lot better than they did, uh, against Utah. Uh, you know, Graham Mertz, he didn't throw for as many yards. He went 14 for 17, uh, 193 with a touchdown. More importantly, Montreal Johnson, I got, got movement on the ground, 15 carries, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Ricky Purcell, he got six receptions for uh, a buck 23 with TD. So I definitely think Florida came out really looking, uh, you know, just they, they, they looked a lot better than they did against uh, Utah. Now, of course, everyone was enjoying that loss against Utah because it's, you know, Everyone hates the Gators for some weird reason, but to each their own. And then also, let's not forget that Graham Mertz also ran in a touchdown. So, um, but, you know, we really hit on the ground. You know, we got six total scores with the Rock on the ground. You know, so maybe we have to really evaluate ourselves as a team with Florida. Now, granted, it was against McNeese State, so it's not like there's some, you know, high-flying, excellent program. But, you know, we have to establish ourselves that if if we're not comfortable with what McNeese or excuse me, what with Mertz is going to be doing with the ball in his hand. And he did throw a good game against Utah. He threw for 300 plus yards. Yeah, he did huck a TD up, but he did get some touchdowns in there. I, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of situations in that game were were playing against Florida. A, they just didn't look prepared. There were a lot of coaching errors. There were not play. There were player errors, but there were coaching errors. And as a coach, you have no one to blame but yourself if you are giving wrong signal assignments, wrong formations, uh, pulling players, you know, uh, illegal substitutions and things like that. That is not on the player. That is on the coaching staff. They clean that up. Um, and, you know, also, too, you know, and we could call it an excuse, you know, whatever else. And, and I said the exact same thing to the opposite when Utah played us last year in Gainesville is that the weather, the weather plays a massive effect. So if you look at Utah stadium, Utah, they sit like 5,000 feet above altitude. The The swamp is probably below sea level at the end of the day, you have altitude, you have thinner air. Our guys are used to thick, heavy, humid conditions. Then you take them out into a lighter arid situation. You could just tell they were gassed easily you know, I can speak from experience every time I go out west of Utah or in the mountains in Washington or in Colorado specifically, you know, and I'm no pro athlete by any standard. So let's let's not fool anybody here. But it, it wears on you. And it's the opposite effect. If you're not used to the humidity and you're not used to how things are in Florida, 
that humidity and that heat is punishing. And that was shown at that Florida Utah game last year when 10 minutes into the first quarter, half of Utah's bench is puking like an episode of the family guy. And these guys were just up chucking. And then the guys were on needles and, and IV bags and fluid bags and all of these things that they didn't have to deal with while they were playing in Utah because they were, they were in their element. So, um, you know, more to come on that, you know, Florida, definitely we, we have our, our work cut out for us this week, um, you know, playing Tennessee at home. This is a very important game for the university of Florida. Um, they definitely have to go and, and, and establish dominance early. We can beat Tennessee. We've done it before. And I think we have the skill set and the players to do so. Um, you know, they just need to go out and go execute it. Make sure that that coach Nape is out there doing his thing. Yeah. So I'll just say this a quick bit before we transition to the NFL. Um, like I didn't get to see the Utah game because Mickey Mouse and Spectrum were fighting. So I, I did see the highlights. And, and to your point, Chris, there was some coach and, and, and Napier to a certain degree, he owned he owned it. You know, in the you know, I saw you know the the post game. I, I think for Florida, I think the key is to me it was always Graham Mertz because I I saw Graham Mertz play at Wisconsin, and and when I and when I heard her name the starting quarterback, I gasped because I'm like, I don't know which Graham Mertz we're going to get because if we if we get the Graham Mertz that we kind of saw at you know. You look at his stat line at Utah. Like Florida's not Florida. Like you know, we have to be honest with ourselves. They're they're not in the running for the college football playoff. But no, not at all. It's, it's all about we have to see what we have at quarterback. You know, replacing Anthony Richardson is not replacing a quarterback of his caliber is never easy. So, so what do we have at quarterback looking forward? And we look at Mertz. It's interesting. I said if we get kind of like that guy we got at Utah, we got a good guy. But he had some games in U at uh, Wisconsin that where he wasn't necessarily asked to throw the ball as much because Wisconsin's a run. They're a run first team. Go look at go look at their numbers. They're they're always something like in the top 10, 15 in the country every year in running the football, whether it's carries, yards, whatever rushing category it is. To me, when we play Tennessee, the X factor is this one offensively. You know, to your point about Johnson, keep him going. That's the key. We have to have consistency on offense in terms of whatever the run game leads the way, play action, whatever. And I think defensively, Joel Milton is not a slouch either. So if anything, we, we kind of have to control that situation. So to me, the Tennessee game is going to tell us win or lose what kind of team Florida has moving forward? And I know it's early in the season, Chris, but it's important. You know, because some games, hey, some big games come earlier than others. But I think for the sake of Napier, I'm not going to be like some guys that we got to fire Napier. We can't. Firing coaches is not going to solve the problem. We have to let somebody, we have to let a coach come in, get the system. And just like I alluded to earlier, some teams build quicker than others in terms of what the expectations are. And when Napier took this job, he understood the expectation. He understood what it was because, let's face it, Dan Mullen, good guy, just couldn't recruit. 
And when he made that, and, and that still sticks with me, Chris, to this day, when he he went in front of the media and essentially acknowledged that he doesn't like to recruit in season. And I'm like, do you know how much you're getting paid a year to say that? Yeah, it's like, like, come on, bud. Like, Nick's, Nick Saban's recruiting. As we're probably talking now, recording this, Chris, Nick Saban's probably recruiting as we speak. Yeah. So he, he he's doing, you know, within the, the, the confines of the, 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 the rule book, He's he's sending guys out there to rebuild his class for 2024. Heck, even beyond that. And then when Dan Mullen says that, I'm like, he has no chance. And you saw that reflected on the field. And I think Napier has some stuff he has to do. He has to clean up some things. We got to see about Merck. We got to see there are pieces to this team, Chris, that we have to see. Not just this year. But moving forward, so I, those who are in the old Napier camp, who I always ask this question, Chris: If you fire that guy, then who's going to want to take the job? Because ain't no coach in America who's going to want to take a job where, well, man, they only they, they have a short leash. No decent coach in their mind is going to take that job if they're knowing they only have like a two three year window. And we've seen other schools get bigger window. You know, I tell people, Chris, go look at Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. Go look at his first year at Alabama. I tell people I rest my case. He won a national championship within the first five seasons he was there. I'm not saying that may be Florida, but it's about patience. It's in, it's indulging and it's in, in patience when it comes to coaching, especially at the collegiate level. So, and speaking of patience, let's transition to the NFL. Huh. And I know, but it has to huh. be done. Tis, tis has to be done. Huh. I think right now, and you can hear in my in Chris's voice, huh. where I think for Jets Nation, it's patience. Now, Aaron Rodgers, four snaps into taking to becoming the guy, you know, you know, unfortunately he suffered an injury which later turned out to be an Achilles injury done for the year. And then now we go to – but listen, but listen, the Jets won the game. That's the positive, but I always say – What if I told you? Yeah. What if I told you that Aaron Rodgers, arguably one of the greatest scorers of his generation, went down in the first quarter and the New York Jets won the game in overtime by a player you probably never heard of. In fact, I don't even know his name as I'm doing the voiceover. Because I was told not to bring his name. But it, it does look like a 30 for 30. You know, but the reality is this. And I'll get your just my quick hits. Outside of outside of the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, so I was impressed with some quarterbacks. You know, obviously in some and one I wasn't impressed. That's, I'll start that with Josh Allen. Look, I talk about this all the time. We talk about it. How the court we talk about the neck up process. For quarterbacks, we always talk about that. With Josh Allen, no one's questioned. We've seen what he can do. You know, neck down. That we we've seen how good he can be. But and we can argue well the Jets defense is good. Yeah, we. You don't have to sell me on the Jets defense because I saw what I saw last season. You you don't have to sell me how good Robert Sala is. <laughs> you know what? It's like, don't, you know, if you're a salesman, you don't have to sell me on that part of making the deal. Like, you don't have to sell me how good the Jets are defensively. 
But what we saw from Josh Allen, we saw some very errant throws. And we saw a quarterback that looked a lot of people like the window. There's a window. And if you're a Bills fan, you should be somewhat worried because we've seen Josh Allen had have those type of games and, and lose games, and you lose games that way. You could get away with that maybe last season, but you can't get away with it this season because that whole division has gotten better. Somehow they've gotten better. So, and everyone's going for the Bills in that AFC East championship, in AFC crown, AFC East crown. But that's the negative. Shoot to the positive. And, like, the stat line is maybe superfluous here, but I was impressed with Jordan Love. Like, the 15 to 27, 20, it's, not a, it's not a real sexy stat line. But you know what it is, Chris? He had three touchdowns and he didn't turn the ball over. And he, he stepped into a situation replacing Aaron Rodgers. People had it. Well, they're facing this Bears team, this a sleeper team that's going to come out, you know, could, could win the NFC North. And all Jordan Love did was basically what Aaron Rodgers used to do, was beat the Chicago Bears. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like Beauty and the Beast, a tale as old as time. There. And you know, let's talk about positive slash negative. Kirk Cousins, my favorite quarterback. We all know that. We don't have to delve deeper into that. This is a we're trying to keep this like an hour show, so we're going to delve deeper. 33 of 44, 344 yards passing, two touchdowns. That looks great, right? Cool. The Vikings had three turnovers. Chris, you know who caused all three turnovers? That'd be Kirk Cousins. I tell people, come in. It was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. The, the interception and he fumbled, he lost two fumbles. So good news, bad news. And then we look at, and I, I bring up Dak Prescott, I don't know what that Sunday night game was, but that didn't feel like a game for like three quarters. But 13 to 24, 143 yards passing. And we talked about Dak a lot. Listen, when Dak throws the ball under 250 yards, he's 33 and 20. So he's had 53 games where he's thrown the ball under 250 yards. And then when he throws over, he's had 44 games of over 250 yards passing. He's 20 and 16. I bring up those numbers to simply say this. We didn't even scratch the surface of the Dallas offense Sunday night. Didn't have to. Exactly. And it's like when you put up numbers <laughs> like that, if you're Dak Prescott, you're like, well, like, and, and I think that's important, Chris, and, and, I, and I'll transition to you after I say this. We, we knock the Dallas Cowboys on this show. You know, you know, we, we talk about, hey, there's Super Bowl footage on, in VHS. You got to go to Blockbuster to find their Super Bowl highlight tapes. Yeah, maybe I slipped that one in. But the point is, is that this proves once again that the question has never been Dallas's defense. Now the question is going to remain: Dallas can they hold a, up? Will they hold up? And secondly, can can Dak be that guy? Because he didn't have to be in a game. He didn't have to throw for two hundred yards in this game. Micah Parsons and those guys did the work. So, I think penultimately, people say it was just one game. Yeah, but we always knew Dallas's defense was good, just like how I always knew the Jets' defense was always good. So when I saw how they played Sunday, you know, I saw how the Dallas played Sunday and how I thought the Jets played Monday, I'm like, oh, I'm not surprised at all. But but to me, those were my takeaways, the quarterback play. And, you know, 
into me in all way. Yeah, some team in Atlanta won, so I have I have to slip that in because hey, <laughs> you can't see me on camera, but I'm wearing red. So you know, and, and it's a fun fact. I base the colors of the show because my favorite team has at least one of the colors in the logo, at least. So, and, but it was kind of based on the Falcons more, and then there were the Cubs and all. That, that's an origin story for like Marvel to pick up somewhere down the road. But, but Chris, give me your thoughts on the uh, yeah. opening weekend, and I, and 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 kind of moving forward. You know, um, football's back, man. It was that's great. Um, you know, I'll I'll start off with week one. Or excuse me, with game one and week one with the Lions and the Chiefs. And this was a game that a lot of people thought the Chiefs should have just had in the bag and let go. What a lot of people don't realize is that out of the last 10 games, the Lions have won eight of them. And, you know... (laughs) They're a team to be reckoned with, I think. You know, are, are they going to win the Super Bowl? No. Can they cause a lot of destruction in their division? 100%. Could they make the playoffs? I definitely think it's open season in the NFC North. Um, you know, Jared Goff came out and played a very, very efficient game. He was 25 for 35, 253 yards and a touchdown. They didn't turn the ball over. And Detroit stood up on offense. Now, there were a lot of things that helped them. Option one, or I, I guess exhibit one. We'll turn this into a court case. Exhibit one, your honor. Travis Kelsey. He did not play. Exhibit two, uh, Butterfingers, a.k.a. Kadarius Tony. I mean, you, you, you can't get any more of a perfect pass from Patrick Mahomes and then get all spaghetti labeled on him and drop it. Um you know, Patrick Mahomes led in passing yards. Now, do you want, want to know what other stat line that he uh, was the leader in? Boy, it's, a, it's open season for me. But <laughs> it's, it's a lot of things. In, indulge me. Indulge me. Well, interceptions. It was a trick question. Um, <laughs> you know, he... He came through on that. And then also, you know, the other bad thing is about this. So I, no, actually what I was going to say is, is rushing, but he also led in interceptions. But he led the Chiefs in rushing yards. They only have 45 rushing yards. You know, uh, CEH had 22 yards. Uh, Pacheco, 23 yards. You're not winning football games with that. I'm sorry at the end of the day. You're just, you're not. Um you know, I, I think that not having Travis Kelsey there did cause a lot of problems. He had to heavily rely on Kadarius Tony, who has deleted, I believe it's his Twitter or his Instagram yeah, or not. Or yeah, X, X. Yeah. X we'll, we'll call it that. He uh, he X-nade that after he tried trolling the Giants uh, after they got blown out. And it's like, dude, you dropped three passes. You, you Your shit talking card has been revoked. You, you don't yeah. get to do that. Put that away, put it back in your pocket, and carry on, my wayward son. Um, Sky Moore didn't didn't do much for him either. The, the only legit, reliable receiver he had was MVS and uh, uh, Rasheed Rice. That, that's really it. 
I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, granted, like Noah Gray, uh, the backup tight end, you know, he came in and he did his thing. But at the end of the day, let's face it, he's not no Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, so the, the, the Chiefs were off to a rough start. And I definitely think they'll bounce back from that. You know, we're, we're going to continue down the boulevard. We'll call this the boulevard of broken dreams. Hey, Green Day, if you're listening, he said it, not me. So you know, wanna... we're... We're, we're, we're going to call this week that because there were a lot of teams that when you look, if, if you were to look at, okay, the, on a line card, the Chiefs, Lions, who you got? Chiefs, no questions asked. The Browns and the Bengals, who you got? The Bengals by a mile. Instead, Macaulay Culkin was the quarterback and not Joe Burrow, apparently, in that game. There was some type of body double switch, like some type of Saddam voodoo magic in, in the uh, like early a, like stages. A, like a Freaky Friday type thing? Yes, you yes, you know. And the Bengals got outright wore out by the Browns. Um, you know, that was a game I, I don't think that we expected to go a certain way. Uh, the Ravens did their job against the Houston Texans. You know, the, the Bucks and the Vikings, that was actually a good game. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, he, he cost in that game two, two fumbles lost and a pick. You're not winning games by that man at the end of the day. However, he did throw for 344 yards and two touchdowns and also gave me a fantasy one. <laughs> uh, but that's, we'll, a, that's, a, that's the next segment. We're not, <laughs> that's the next segment. Um, but you know, that, that game was very winnable by, uh, by the, by the Vikings. Unfortunately, Kirk Cousins just did Kirk Cousins things and kind of gave the game to Tampa. Baker Mayfield had a very mediocre uh, start with Tampa. You know, he went 21 for 34, 173 yards and two touchdowns. Um, However, you know what? I gave it to him. He did not turn the ball over. So that was, I think, one of the biggest concerns going in is Baker Mayfield does have a tendency to turn the ball over. So, you know, by that, you know, kudos to him and, uh, uh, and going, you know, going that route. Um, you know, the Raiders pulled one over the Broncos. Jimmy G came out and in the black and silver and did his thing. Uh, an unexpected win. I think, again, looking at the line cards, hey, you know, uh, LA and Seattle, who you got? Ah, Seattle, no questions asked, you know. Um, the Rams came out and played some very efficient ball and really, really put in the work there. Um, you know, a Florida team that, that came out and showed out was the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They played the, excuse me, the Indianapolis Colts. You know, I want to talk about for a second, I want to talk about Anthony Richardson. And, uh, you know, I, I was very critical of him going into uh, the NFL. And I, I, I truly, truly thought that he needed to stay another year in college to get his football IQ up. And I, I think that he's a little bit faster learner than what we gave him credit for. Um, you know, he went 24 for 37, 223 yards and a touchdown with a pick. And then also ran one into the end zone. He had 10 carries for 40 yards. Um, you know, so he led in passing and he led in rushing, um, you know, his, his primary target, Michael Pittman jr, eight receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. You know, the Colts as an organization, I, I truly think post-Andrew Luck have really struggled to find their identity and who they are. And they've had the carousel of quarterbacks. And, they, and they've just, 
you know, they 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 tried with Jacoby Brissett. It didn't work. They tried with Matt Ryan. And I think Matt Ryan just aged himself out and just wasn't – he wasn't the Matt Ryan he was. I think he got his bell rung one too many times at the in Atlanta, unfortunately. And I really like Matt Ryan. You know, um, I have always spoken very highly of him on the show and his stats and his career. Um, I've had him on on many, many fantasy teams, and he has brought me many, many trophies, and he's brought me some decent money. Um, you know, I, I think maybe the Colts have found a start of their identity with, with Anthony Richardson. I definitely think he does need more tools. They need to figure out the running back situation. I think that's definitely the most uh, acknowledged situation of their organization. They need to figure out what's going on with JT. Um, you know, uh, keep them, cut them, do something with them. Just stop the bleeding. Um, you know, they're 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 doing the best they can in that situation. You know, beef up that offensive line. That, that's been a weak point for for Indy. Indy's defense isn't terrible, and I think they showed that with Jacksonville. Jacksonville is just a very complete team with a much better offense. So I think they were able, that's why they won naturally. Um, but I think that's why they were able to succeed. But I think in the years to come, I think if, if, if the Colts are all in on Anthony Richardson and the way that they showed them to be in the draft, get the man another receiver, get him a running back and build that offensive line. And you're not going you may not win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years. You may not even make the playoffs in the next two or three years, but if you can get a program, that's a, uh, three and 14 or a whatever, maybe get them up to eight, nine wins. That's, that, that's a victory at the end of the day. So I'm pretty curious to see how the rest of the season is going to fare out for, uh, for Anthony Richardson. I'm just happy to see a Florida quarterback uh, doing well in the NFL. Um, as you said, with Jordan love, Jordan love through a very efficient game, no thrills, no frills, no, uh, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance, but most importantly, Green Bay still owns it's just Chicago Bears. Um, you know, uh before Aaron Rodgers left, he signed the deed I heard to Soldier Field over to Jordan Love. That was his last act as a Green Bay Packer, is is what the rumor mill is. Um he, he signed the HOA bill and the and the deed to the property over to him. Um, of course, the Dolphins and Chargers, that was a very good back and forth game. You know, Tua really came out, you know. I um I'm still not sold on Tua. I, I think that he is one hit away from becoming Rudy or, or radio or whatever that kid's name was in that, in that football movie where the kid was just playing with a half a deck of cards, essentially. Um, Tua, you know, the Dolphins look good right now. I promise they're not going to look this good six games from now. I have a feeling that Mike White will be the starting quarterback. Two is going to get his, he's going to take one good shot. And that poor, the, the kids, he's on borrowed time. And I hate saying that. And again, I'm not wishing injury on him. I'm not. I'm just facing the realization that some people are just a little bit more fragile than others. And homeboy's just a little bit more fragile than others. His main advantage is he does have Tyreek Hill. You know, Tyreek Hill, you know, the difference between throwing to a receiver like Tyreek or throwing to a receiver like a Julian Edelman back in the day, or a, a Michael Pittman Jr., or a Michael Thomas, is that, you know, you have to be a sniper to hit a receiver in the NFL. You got one shot, one kill, precision-based shooting. If you have Tyreek Hill as your 
your wide out, you essentially can like be like a mortar or, or an artillery piece. You're just lobbing one in a general direction. Tyreek will go out and get it at the end of the day. He has the speed, he has the maneuverability, and he has the, the field sense to make the course adjustments to catch that ball. You can just throw it in his general direction, 15 yards in front of him. He'll catch the damn thing. And and Tua definitely used that to his advantage. Everyone says, oh, Tua is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Not from what I've seen at the end of the day. I'm sorry. It's just that it just, I'm not sold on him. And I think the Chargers and their little debacle towards the end of the game, that, that, that cost them dearly. Um, the massacre in MetLife, uh, I think is what that game will be called with the Cowboys and the Giants. It's like you said, you know, Dak Prescott really didn't have to do much that game. Um, his defense did it for him. <laughs> you know, he didn't throw a touchdown. He didn't run a touchdown. Um, you know, Tony Pollard came out. He, he ran two in. Uh, Cavante Turpin, you know, he ran one in. Uh, you know, CD Lamb didn't even score. Um, but the Dallas Cowboys defense, they scored. And they scored big time. Um, that was a god-awful game by the Giants. God-awful game by by Daniel Jones. And, uh, you know, uh, and of course now the Cowboy fans are, they're about as damn near terrible as, as Miami, Florida State, and Ohio just all rolled into one that like, oh, we're going to win the Super Bowl. It's like, no, you won one game against the Giants. Like, shh, simmer down now, calm down. You do that, in, uh, you know, two, three weeks in a row. All right, well, and again, you know, I respect Dallas' defense. Dallas has a great defense. Dallas has a good offense. I'm just not sold on Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is the key to victory. Maybe this season he will he will change the the vibe or and and do the thing that he needs to do. But at the end of the day, I still think we're going to see the same old Dak Prescott when it comes out. Um, you know, last but not least, and I saved this one for the end was the tragedy at MetLife. Um with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we should almost take a moment of silence for this poor guy. Um, you know, it's a lot of money to be spent to not get anything out of it, to get five plays. Uh, you know, 37 million by like five plays, it's like nine million, nine and a half per play or something like that. I think is why a uh, quick math when I figured it out too. Um, but most importantly, the Jets rallied. They persevered and they won. And I don't think anybody expected the Jets to win after Aaron Rodgers went down. Going into the game, I was looking at the stat lines and the bet lines. It was pretty damn close between them and Buffalo. And that was like, I'm going to flip a coin. And I guess that's who I would choose if I'm a betting man. Um, you know, we get the ball, you know, we get the ball in the first play. Brees Hall rips like a 26 yard run and you're like oh if this is the tone that we're setting all right all right all right and then it just went downhill from there quick fast in a hurry with Aaron Rodgers um you know again and and the, the thing that the, the thing that upsets me Ladarius and I don't know about you is I don't like seeing people laugh and carry on and joke about someone getting hurt like, like this is his means of living. And granted, he, you know what? He makes more money than in one season than I'll probably ever make in my entire life and your salary and my parents and your parents 
and probably the people that live next door to me and live next door to you. He probably got that just on this Jets contract right here. Um, but for people to like laugh at it and poke at it, I mean, like, I get it, man. Like, it's the internet, you know, and shit like that. But, uh, you know, like, have some class, you know. It was, it was just, it was disappointing to see that, uh, you know, to see people are acting like that. And you know what, when it comes to it too, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this and, you know, I, I know I covered this and, and, you know, and I don't remember if you did or, or, uh, or not. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of the AstroTurf, man. I, I see more injuries. Mm-hmm. On the turf now, you know I know MetLife Stadium last year was a shit show, and you know I don't I don't like the Astro Turf, man. No, I, I I think that I I think that's why we're looking at Aaron Rodgers with I mean and and you saw like I'm sure everyone's seen the replay of his Achilles just snapping and just shooting right up his leg. That was just it was sad to see. Whether you like Aaron Rodgers or not, I know there's a lot of people that like him. I know there's a lot of people that hate him and I know there's just even more people that wanted to see him fail. And that's what, you know, you, if you want to see someone fail, it's one thing that you go out and you play Buffalo and you throw four picks and you play like just complete dog shit. Talk all talk to shit you want, man. Like, you know what? You get it. But to, to talk shit about the guy getting hurt, it's just classless at the end of the day, you know, and I, and, hey, man, and I know I'll call myself out and, and the people that know me that truly know me, you know, I can say this and, and, and everybody, I'm, I'm an asshole at the end of the day. I, everyone can unanimously agree with that as Ladarius is shaking his head so hard right now, but at the, but I, you know, as much as I didn't like Tom Brady or as much as I may not like whomever, I'm never going to wish an injury or ill will on somebody. I like, I'll wish be like, Hey, and I, and I joke in our fantasy chat, you know, I hope you guys play like shit this week. I'm not going to be like, Hey, I hope your quarterback gets, you know, we are marshaled, you know, uh, you know, before the game. So that sucked. But you know, the one thing I do want to talk about, and this is something I was very, very, very critical of last season was the composure that Zach Wilson had. So let's talk about this for a second. This kid was drafted second overall in the NFL draft to be the starting quarterback for arguably the largest TV market in professional sports. And it doesn't get any bigger than New York at the end of the day, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever whatever it is. You've got so many teams in that and and so little square miles. You got the Knicks, you got the Nets, you got the Mets, you got the Yankees, you got the the Islanders, you got the Rangers, and then you've got the Jets and the Giants. Even though they play across the river over in East Rutherford, which isn't New York at the end of the day, but we let we let them get the pass because we don't have enough room in New York. But you are in the largest TV market in sports. And arguably the most critical market in sports because if if you if you do bad you will be chastised look at a prime example the yankees have had the worst season they've had since 1995 Derek jeter's rookie season and they're fire aaron boone 
They didn't talk about firing Aaron Boone last year or the year before that or the year before that. But we have a one bad year. And all of a sudden, he's got to go. Kyrie and, and all his you know personal things when he was on the Nets uh, with the vaccine situation, which I fully support. You are an American and you are standing up for what you believe in. And that, that, that dude was chastised on it. They about ran him out of town. You uh, the you look at the Mets and the, and the stuff that they do, or the Giants, and and you know, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be the Daniel Jones is the next man on top, and and everyone was so critical of Zach Wilson, and he deserved it. But you know what? The kid came out knowing he lost his job. At the end of the day, let's let, let's talk business real quick. The kid was demoted. He lost his job as a starting quarterback in the New York Jets to become a bench warmer, to learn from, from Aaron Rodgers. And I bet you he anticipated if, if Zach Wilson said, if I play five snaps a game, I'm going to be shocked. To come in five plays into the game one of the season, to now start and finish the game, I give it to the kid at the end of the day. He didn't throw a perfect game. He did huck a pick, but you know what? He ran an efficient game, and he got the ball where it needed to be, when it needed to be there. Hats off to the kid. Also, more importantly, hats off to the defense for not just giving up. The defense took a vital blow by losing Aaron Rodgers because the defense went into that game now knowing we're one of the best defenses in the NFL. We may not have to work as hard because of Aaron Rodgers. We don't have the hardships that we had last season. Now we have two, we have two RB ones, two guys that are typically being drafted top 10 in fantasy. Not that that matters in the NFL, but I'm just trying to put it in perspective here. We have two top running backs. We have a top 10 wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. And then Aaron Rodgers brings his homeboy, Alan Lazard from green Bay, who he has chemistry with. And then we got big old TJ Conklin out there doing his thing too. So defense is like, man, we got all these pieces of the puzzle. I think we'll be okay. I think we're going to do just fine. And then that major piece of the puzzle, five plays in, he's gone. And now Zach Wilson has to step in. And I think he did a hell of a job, to be honest with you. And and, and I, I've been very critical of him many, many episodes on this show. So I, credit is given where credit is due. Also, too, let's take a serious look at Brees Hall. Coming off of an ACL tear. The dude drops 127 yards game one. If that's if that's a tempo that we're going to set, I'm very happy to see that. Uh, Dalvin Cook came out. He started cooking slow. I mean, he only had 33 yards. He You definitely saw that he was the RB2 of the situation, and he took it with a grain of salt, and the man still performed at the end of the day. But Brees Hall went out and did his thing. You know, Alan Lazard came out, you know, 46 yards on two receptions. Garrett Wilson, five receptions on 34 with a touchdown. Um, you know, there was some good passing out of the backfield. Uh, uh, Michael Carter caught two. Brees Hall caught one. Dalvin Cook caught three. And and this was uh, Zach Wilson essentially playing with the scout team in the second team, stepping now playing in the first team, trying to remember how to be a starter when his mentor just went down with a massive injury. And then he's playing a division rival and then still expected to win the game. And we all know that Zach Wilson has had some major confidence problems. He And he lost the confidence of the locker room last year severely by his blatant disrespect to the Jets organization, by blaming everyone else but himself. 
I think the kid came back strong, and I think that we have an opportunity. Are our chances of making it to the Super Bowl there, like with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, no, the playoffs probably not. If we can win nine, ten games this season, I'd be very, very satisfied with that. And I really think we can. If Zach Wilson can just manage the game, that's what he needs to do. He doesn't need to come out and throw for 400 yards a game. He just needs to manage it and not turn the ball over. Let Brees Hall run. Let Dalvin Cook run. Get the ball to Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson. Get the first downs. Keep the offense on the field so the defense isn't playing 40 minutes a game. And then let the defense do their thing. We got a very dangerous Jets organization here. And I know people are talking, oh, they got to go out and go. Yeah, we do have to go out and go get another quarterback. We don't need to bring in a Carson Wentz and start him over uh, Zach Wilson. We don't need to go get a Jacoby Brissett or all this this bullshit about bringing Kaepernick back. And this, he's old news. His last playoff, his play tapes, the last time he went out and did a workout with garbage. Not even going to talk about him. Not even going to give him the credibility to even be discussed. But we don't need to. We just need to go out and go get a backup quarterback that, if heaven forbid something happens to Zach Wilson, will be able to survive. Let the kid run. Let him. Let him get his confidence. And I think we could do something with him. I, I. I really, 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 truly do. And that's our show, folks. Good night. No. Um, yeah. Um. I'll say this before we uh, go into uh, fantasy starting systems. What I will say is this: when when I look at this Jets team. And I kind of look at where they are organizationally. Lose. Listen, when you lose a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you lose you lose the guy who was coming in, big offseason move, to come in and be the guy to kind of get the Jets to that next level. Now, I'll go back and talk a little bit of layers here really quickly, you know, not to go over the time. To your point, I wrote an article. I believe it was last year, may have been earlier this year, where I talked about the AstroTurf. And I talked about players complaining about the AstroTurf. In fact, Rogers' former teammate, David Bakhtiari, talked about the turf. And there's still some teams in the league who use the AstroTurf. Most teams do use, you know, as natural grass. But it's been a topic of concern, especially in MetLife, because if you recall, I believe it was Sterling Shepard messed up his ACL or his Kachili. On, on that field, on that very same field. And they supposedly put in a new turf, but it's penultimately that's still going to be an issue. Now, moving down the line, you know, when it comes to Zach Wilson, I think here's the thing. Zach Wilson, to come from a mindset for being a starter to a backup, it's not easy. Not a lot of guys can do it. And you look at, you know, Jacoby Brissett, and I, and I said this when I was I talked to and when I was, I think earlier on this year, I talked about like the job Jacoby Brissett did with the Browns last year. You know, given all that was going around, no Deshaun Watson was going to be there for the first eleven games of the season. So, but Jacoby Brissett understood he was going to start the season, but he knew he wasn't going to end the season once Deshaun Watson was available to play. And it's all about the mindset. And so, but for now, for Zach Wilson, this feels like a redemption story because he was chastised by the New York media, and he was rightly so. When you stand in front of a bunch of reporters and you essentially don't take the L for a team's loss, you're the quarterback. The most, I argue, the most 
it's the face of an organization. You're you're essentially the you're the face of the organization. There's no other way to put it. And they look to you and you do that. So now he has this redemption story. You know, could he lead the Jets to the playoff? That's not out the realm of possibility because he has talent around him to, to be good. You have Brees Hall. You got Dalvin Cook in the backfield. You got Garrett Wilson, the Alan Lazard. You got Tyler Conklin. You have a you have a top five defense. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Zach Wilson has to understand is that, hey, this is your chance. You know, nobody expected for what happened to Aaron Rodgers to happen. You don't wish it upon, you know, it's something I don't wish upon my worst enemy, what happened to Aaron Rodgers on Monday night. Because if you take away the money, you take away the aspect, he's, you don't want to see a player get hurt in an already violent sport. You don't want to see it. But Zach Wilson had to come in there, and to your point, they rallied together and they figured it out, and they won a very a, a great overtime victory. So now the question becomes, who do you get? The first name that comes to my mind is Joe Flacco. And people, because the organization is looking for somebody who's either familiar with Zach Wilson or familiar with the system. Like Joe Flacco, I'm not saying he's Joe Flacco. You need stability behind Zach Wilson. Joe Flacco is not going to be asked to do what he did at Baltimore, which really he he leaned on a pretty good defense, and he made big throws when necessary. And you kind of saw a little bits and pieces of that when he was with the Jets. So I don't believe it's the end of the world for the New York Jets. I believe it's how you rally around Zach Wilson. And I think Robert Sala has to be the person to say, hey, Aaron's gone. Zach, this is your team. And if you blow it this time, there's no other chances. Yeah. No, I, I I definitely agree with that. I think this is definitely a put up or shut up moment for Zach Wilson's career as a professional football player in the NFL. Um, he he has to make the passes when it counts. He has to make the right decisions. Um, I I can't fathom the amount of pressure that's probably on this kid's chest right this very moment. We talked about Nick Saban recruiting right this very moment. So let's talk about the pressure that Zach Wilson is facing because he, he he just got handed the keys to the car again and said, boy, you got to drive. Yeah. And uh, that has to be a scary thing from him because he probably expected, you know what? I'm going to sit back for a year or two. I'll learn from Aaron Rodgers. I'll fly under the radar and then maybe I can have some giant comeback story and be the next Joe Namath or, or you know, what, whatever thoughts are going through his head to now being in just an, a complete oh shit panic mode mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to now lead this team. And now, you know, those players, they didn't forget what he said last season. No, they didn't forget man. how he acted last season. They didn't forget what he did last season, but, what they'll remember is that that kid goes out and gives a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time and leaves it all out in the field. You know, they're going to, they're not going to be undefeated. They're going to lose games. But at the end of the day, if, if they can, if the players feel that that kid went out there and played a good, good game of ball, made right decisions, didn't turn the ball over four or five times a game, you know, every quarterback's going to throw picks, whether it's Drew Brees, 
or Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or Joe Namath or, or Dan Marino. They all got picks on their record. You know, it happens. And sometimes it's not the quarterback's fault. I mean, a couple of those picks that Patrick Mahomes was charged on, they weren't his fault. When you hit a player in the numbers and, and the old butterfingers come out, yeah. you know, that ain't on him. If, if Zach can get behind that team and rally them and be the leader that, that Aaron Rodgers is going to be, the kid has a promising career. And yeah. he can do exactly what Joe Flacco did in 2000, lean on the defense and, and win the game for them. Have defense put you in a position to win and then go. And, and you know what? And they did that. I mean, they, they definitely 100% did that. You know, and then most importantly, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, let's talk about, uh, you know, the Jets kicker there, Greg Zerlin, keeping him in the game. Yeah. They, you know, for, for lack of trying, you know, there were points in the Jets offense that they didn't exactly leave him in a, uh, a warm environment to, uh, you know, it's not like he was hitting, you know, 10 yard chip shots here. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, let's, 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 uh, let's remember that. And then most importantly, I think at the end of the day, let's talk about Xavier Gibson. He was a walk on, you know, I don't know if, did, did you get a chance to, to watch any of the hard knocks episodes? I, 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 I didn't matter like I, my plate's already full of stuff. I got to watch anyway. If, 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 uh, if, if you get a chance, watch it. it. It was, it was pretty good. And you know, he's, the kid was a walk on. He was a nobody. He's somebody now, you know, and, uh, I mean, my God, that kid, the field vision that he has, you know, and, and, and let's not forget, you know, it's not like the Jets were playing the Browns or the Texans. You know, the Bills are a very reputable team on both sides of the ball. Um, so let's, let's not forget that. And for him to come and, and when the game, when it's in overtime, you're fighting for your life, your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback essentially is down and out with an injury. You grab that ball and haul ass at the end zone. I mean, dude, more power to you, man. So hats off to them. Hats off to the Jets. Hats off to all the games that were won and lost this week. It was a great week of football. I'm happy it's back. I'm looking forward to week two. Same same here. You know, like I say, you know, hopefully, you know, Thursday night football, you're going to have Kirk Cousins trying to, trying to get back on the winning track against Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, before we go to – to, uh, to get your stardom and sit I put out a preview video of it. Check it out on my, uh, my Instagram, there's double underscore brown, my TikTok, there's underscore brown, and the same for Twitter. Now, transitioning, now we're going to the uh, stardom and sit here. Now you, you're having fantasy owners now in panic mode. Aaron Rodgers done for the year. And also, you can throw in J.K. Dobbins as well, the oh, Ravens yeah. running back. With the same same injury, and and writing about it and cover about it, I gave a couple of players my piece of write for Sportkita. You know, if you know, surprisingly enough, Jared Goff is still there. A lot of wires you're looking for a quarterback. You know, running back wise, it's an interesting situation there. Depending how that's you're tight, feeling. yeah, that's it's, a tight walk there, man. That's a yeah. tight walk. So it's depending, you know. So basically, you might have to. Pull some, you know, Belichickian trade to kind of get a guy to, you know, for Dobbins, especially if he was your RB one. But that being said, you're the fan, you know, I write about, you know, fans at time to time. But you're the guy. This is your segment. 
Give us your stardom and sit them for week two NFL season and possible players that you can possibly see out there that could, if the team lost Aaron Rodgers or uh, J.K. Dobbins on their fantasy team. Yeah, man. All right. So, you know, now that week one's in the books, we're going to move on to week two. Um, you know, replacing a quarterback in in a fantasy league, it's pretty much, for the most part, plug and play. Are you going to get as many points as you did? Probably not, unless if you go and you start making a trade. You know, and it also depends on the league because each league is valued in a specific way. So you may have a situation where um, a league may not value a quarterback as much as another one. So maybe the quarterback, you know, it just doesn't matter. Um, you know, surprisingly, you know, you touched on one guy that's actually available in a lot of leagues, which is Jared Goff. Um, you know, another one, which I'm, I was very surprised reading some of the analytics that's available, but it's Geno Smith with the, the Seattle Seahawks. He put up a lot of great numbers last season. And if you're playing in a PPR league and number one, if you need a backup quarterback or just need a quarterback in general, or if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner, um, Go out and go get Gino or Jared Goff. Both of those guys are very, very good. I think I'm going to give the upper hand to uh, Gino Smith because of him being a a PPR oriented. So if you're in a PPR league, I think he's going to get the 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 edge over Jared Goff. But you know more to tell on that. All right. So moving down the line, so your must starts, of course. Um, you got the Eagles playing Minnesota in prime time. We already know Kirk Cousins has a hard time playing under the lights. Maybe this game will break him and break the break the uh, the curse, and he'll be a he'll be a Dobby will be a free elf. Uh, I learned what that meant finally uh, recently, and didn't know what that meant until uh, a few days ago. Um, but you know, so Jalen Hurts uh, with the Eagles, Eagles high flying offense. They they got speed, they got strength, they got all they need, and the Vikings defense did show some holes. Again, it was week one, so you know, do you take it with a grain of salt or or do you do it? But I still think no matter what, Jalen Hurts is a a must start. Um, Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills going to the, the uh, playing uh, versus uh, Las Vegas. Um, this is going to be a revenge tour. Um, I think Josh Allen is going to come out and just go for blood. Um, he is going to hit some high sailing balls to uh, to Stephon Diggs and and present company, and so I think he's a must start. Joe Burrow going against Baltimore. Um, I think Burrow is definitely going to have a bounce back. Uh, on it, on the flip side of that, Lamar Jackson going against the Ravens. Um, Ravens, uh, or excuse me, with the Bengals, they don't do well against uh, offensive uh, situations where the quarterback is mobile. Um, stats show that the the Bengals just have a hard time covering that. So I think Lamar will have himself a field day. Uh, if Tua doesn't get his bell rung, uh, I think that he'll do wonders against the uh, New England defense because they're just in outright bad situations. Um, some of the stronger starts that you have um that that are going to be uh some surefire ones so first one i you know i feel bad you know I, I i give credit i didn't even bring up atlanta winning uh but they did get that dub 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 but uh jordan love for the green bay packers at atlanta um love draws another road matchup that was very similar to what he faced in chicago very similar just sketchy terrible defense i think he can throw a very very efficient game in atlanta um geno smith going against the detroit lions even though that the Detroit Lions have a good defense, Geno Smith has DK Metcalf. It's it's like that scene in the Avengers. It's like, uh, you know, I'm a god and I have an army. He's like, yeah, I got a Hulk. Their Hulk is essentially DK Metcalf because he is just a, a, he is a black Hulk. He is just a big, 
scary fast man that I just would not want to pick a fight with. Um, so I, I think that Geno Smith is going to have a very, very good uh, situation there. Also, too, if you kick back the last season, uh, Geno Smith outdueled Jared Goff at Ford Field last season, and they're playing back in Detroit again. So I think that they're going to have a very high-scoring affair because both, both teams are just going to really, really air it out. Um, Brock Purdy and the 49ers going uh, to the Rams. The Rams' defense overachieved, uh, you know, shutting down Geno Smith. I don't think that they're going to have the same luck going against a Brock Purdy-led offense, especially because of Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, of course. Um, So I expect him to have a very, very big game. Uh, Derek Carr and the Saints going to Carolina. Um, You know, he started out slow, uh, you know, uh, against the Titans. But I think that, you know, new team, new situation, new receiving gore. I think he's going to get into uh, uh, get into the, the the swing of things, and it also doesn't help that the, the Panthers their their secondary is just their backside blown out. Uh, DFS draft picks. So if you're playing in any like the FanDuel leagues or money leagues or anything like that, um, you're going to have CJ Stroud from the Texans going against Indy. You can pick him up for like fifty two hundred dollars on average. Uh, Joe Burrow, same situation. Uh, one bad game, and suddenly you know he gets buried in pricing. So for the guys that did release him, if he got some spare coin laying around, go pick him up. I think he's going to have himself a day against Baltimore. Some of your weaker starts uh, for quarterback going into week two, of course, Kirk Cousins. Um, he had a great week, uh, week one. However, Kirk Cousins playing under lights. He doesn't do well. And the Philadelphia defense is no joke. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, Anthony Richardson uh, with the Colts and Texans, I think, are a much better team against the pass. So I think that they're definitely going to be able to contain him and have, and and be able to kind of hold him down. Um, Russell Wilson and the Broncos, you know, Broncos country is not riding. You know, they are not riding. Um, he didn't look like a new quarterback under Sean Payton. And the commander's pass defense is a lot tougher than I think people give them credit for. So I, I don't see them going on there. Um, another nightmare situation is Dak Prescott owners. If you have him going against the Jets offense or excuse me, the Jets defense, do yourself a favor, go pick someone else's up this week. The defense is going to be out for blood. Um, and, uh, again, I know I feel like I pick on Dak Prescott a lot, but he's not as good as Josh Allen and the Jets ripped Josh Allen to shreds. So let's just keep that in the back of your uh, mind there. Moving down to running backs, this is where it gets complicated. So Ladarius touched on, you know, the 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 post J.K. Dobbins. What do you do if you have J.K. Dobbins and he's injured? You know, I don't have good advice to give on that. Um, it really depends on the league. Are you playing in an eight man, a ten man, a twelve man, a sixteen man? Um, you know, are you playing a, a two running back set with a, a WRT flex? You know, there, there's a lot of variables. What I recommend, if if you got J.K. Dobbins and he's down, get on the waiver wire. Um, naturally, pick the backup up. That's always a good start. And you might have to start streaming running backs based off of availability and matchups. Um, it's not a fun task. It's not an easy task, but it can be done. Um, find yourself a situation where you can just get the best possible outcome for that week. You know, um, you, you are in a college relationship. You're there for a fun time. You're not there for a long time. And I'll just leave it at that. Some of your must-starts, of course, are your Christian McCaffrey's, your Derrick Henry's, your Nick Chubb's, your Quan Barkley's, 
Austin Eckler's. If you don't know him by now, just go ahead and give up the game. Uh, some of your stronger starts, uh, number one, is going to be uh, Brees Hall, the New York Jets, going against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think that he's going to get an increased workload because of Aaron Rodgers going down. I think that was shown on uh, on this past week against the Bills. Um, Dallas does have a good defense, but they're going to get ran down, and they're going to get ran down fast. And I think just because of the workload, Brees Hall is going to get a lot of touches. And you're also playing, if you're in a PPR league, he will get a lot of looks. He's going to get a lot of dump passes just like he did. So be on the lookout for that. Um, James Conner with the Cardinals going against the Giants. Uh, I think he's going to get good volume here because the Giants' run defense is just, it, it's bad. As Ladarius eloquently puts it, it is, quote, cheeks. And I'm talking big cheats. Like Sir Mix-a-Lot made a song about those type of cheeks. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, another strong start, Miles Sanders from the Carolina Panthers. I think he's going to get a good rushing workload against the Saints, and I think he's going to get just enough catches on, on that PPR side to make him pop and put some pretty little numbers on his side. Uh, Najee Harris of the Pittsburgh Steelers going against Cleveland. Um, I think that the, the the Browns did have an issue with Joe Mixon, and I think Najee Harris is going to give them the same problem. So just you know, copy, cut, and paste your uh, your neighbor's homework, and you're you're bound to do something eventually. Um, DFS draft picks, so your DraftKings, FanDuel's, your Money Leagues, things like that. Rashad White from the Tampa Bay Bucks. You can pick him up on average for like 5,500. Um, I think that, you know, he did get a nice volume of touches, um, but I think the workload is going to definitely increase um, just just based on, on necessity at the end of the day. Uh, some of your weaker starts going into this is uh, Raheem Moster from the Dolphins going against New England. You know, he did score last week, but Miami just really wasn't interested in running. And and I think that was shown. And the Patriots have a, arguably a much better rush defense than the Chargers do. So I don't see him doing too well. Uh, Brad Robinson Jr. from the Commanders going to Denver. Um, he was just okay, you know, uh, ahead of uh, Antonio Gibson fumbling the ball. Um, and the Broncos, they bottled Josh Jacobs up, which is no easy task. So I, and I don't think that Brian Robinson is, as is a Josh Jacobs. So, um, I don't think we're going to see much of that, uh, either running back, uh, uh, Rashawn Johnson or Khalil Herbert from the bears going to Tampa Bay. The bucks can still bring it versus a run. Um, just go ahead and just don't, don't, don't waste your time on that. Um, AJ Dillon with the Packers going to Atlanta, uh, you know, unless a lot of people have been starting him, unless if Aaron Jones sits, I don't, I don't see him getting a lot of, a lot of plays there. Um, same thing, you know, going down into the uh, Rams and San Francisco game with Cam Akers and and Kyron Williams, just set him going against San Francisco's defense. Nick Bosa just got a fat contract and he's looking to to show everybody why. Um, and then Josh Kelly with the Chargers. Um, you know, it's just a bad situation. The Titans have a very stout run defense. Regardless of Austin Eckler's health, whether he's a go, no-go flight, Josh Kelly is just not a good idea for you. I know a lot of people have been trying to get into the situation with him, but I I, I don't I don't see it well. Um, moving on to your wide receivers for your, your um, absolute must-starts. Again, if you don't know him by now, you're just silly. But your Tyreek Hills, your Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson's, uh, A.J. Brown's, Devontae Smith, Calvin Ridley, you know, he came back with a force with Jacksonville after taking a, uh, a year-long uh, unpaid vacation. Your DK Metcalf, your CD Lambs, uh, Garrett Wilson's, those types. Uh, some of your stronger starts is going to be Tyler Lockett from the Seahawks going against Detroit. 
you know, he kind of disappeared in week one and, uh, you know, had a, uh, had a little bit of a head injury. They maybe thought it was a possible uh, concussion situation. You know, the thing is, though, how why Tyler Lockett succeeds in fantasy is because of DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf draws coverage. He's under coverage, so he gets left alone. They huck the ball down to Tyler Lockett, and then he just does God's work from there. Uh, DJ Moore of the Chicago Bears uh, going against Tampa. You know, uh, you know, I, I think that him and Justin Fields, they're just they're just going to do up a, a better situation. He's not a WR1. He's a WR2, WR3. But I still think regardless, he's going to have a uh, a better situation there. Gabe Davis with the Bills going against the uh, the Raiders. Uh, I think that they're definitely playing a much easier offense. And he, the Raiders do give up a lot of big plays. So I think that Gabe Davis, he's just kind of going to be unlocked and, and be able to really, really do his thing running around. Um, Nico Collins with the Houston Texans going against Indy. Um, he's essentially their best receiver and the Colts are just not good on outside coverage. So I think that he's going to do just, you know, he's going to do well there. Elijah Moore with the Browns going against Pitt. Um, he was a leading receiver last week. And I think that he can be schemed just as well as Amari Cooper. And I think that they're going to do a very, very, I think they're, I think Elijah Moore is going to fit in well in Cleveland. I think there's room for him. There wasn't room in the Jets. He finds a home in Cleveland. I think he's going to do well there. Um, some of your DFS draft picks that you can pick up for super cheap. Um, Mike Williams and uh, from the Chargers and Zay Flowers from the Ravens. You're going to be right around that 5000 to 5500 mark. Both guys you're going to be able to get for pretty cheap. They they did okay in week one. I think they're going to just they, – they got a better situation going into week two, especially with Zay Flowers. Um, you know, I think that he – is going to be a little bit more used now because of the uh, J.K. Dobbins situation there. Uh, moving to your weaker starters for uh, wideouts, you know, I'll blow through these guys. Jordan Addison with the Vikings, uh, Christian Kirk with the Jaguars, uh, Jacoby Myers against the Raiders, uh, Drake London with the Falcons going against Green Bay, uh, Marquise Brown with the Cardinals going against the Giants, uh, Brandon Cooks going against the Jets. Honestly, any wide receiver that you have from the Cowboys playing the Jets defense. I mean, you've got Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on the corners. Don't expect much to be to be done at that point. I mean, this is this is I don't want to say vintage Jets because that's like, you know, the 60s and 70s. The with with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, they remind me of the early to mid 2000s New York Jets with Darrell Rivas and Antonio Cromartie out there at the corners, Rivas Island just shutting everybody down. And I expect that to, to be the, the same situation there. Moving down, last but not least, to your tight ends. Of course, if Travis Kelsey comes back, he's an, he's a necessity. TJ Hokinson, uh, Evan Ingram, George Kittle, you know, those are your, your must. Some of your stronger starts, uh, Dallas Goddard with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles um, going against Minnesota. He was a no-show last week, but... Minnesota does not do well covering tight ends. Stats show it. It's not a good time. Uh, Pat Fryermuth with the Pittsburgh Steelers going against Cleveland. Uh, him and Kenny Pickett are kind of, you know, getting back to the situation there. And I think he becomes a lot more vital now with no Deontay Johnson this week. So I think he's going to do a, a better situation. Cole Komet with the Chicago Bears going against Tampa Bay. You know, Komet was sneaky good against the Packers. He didn't do a lot, but... He's sneaky good. And, 
Tampa Bay is another one of those teams. It just kind of lacks on the tight end coverage. Those, those, those little short routes, uh, some of your, you know, your DFS picks. So your DraftKings, FanDuel, um, those types, Darren Waller with the giants. Um, you can pick him up for like 5,500. He saw a good amount of targets with Daniel Jones. Um, I think that he's going to have to build his confidence on the short pass before he starts going to the long pass and the short pass always starts with the tight end. So I think he's in a situation there. Uh, last but not least, your weak starters uh, for tight ends, Kyle Pitts with the Falcons going against Green Bay. Um, you know, the problem is not Kyle Pitts. The problem is Desmond uh, Ritter. That, that, that's the main problem. Um, as good as Kyle Pitts is, Ritter just has a hard time getting him the ball, and it shows time and time again. Uh, Jake Ferguson from the Cowboys going against the New York Jets. Pretty much if, if you got any Cowboys player this week, Sit them because the Jets are just the Jets are going to do work. They are going to do a lot of work on them. Um, Dalton Schultz with the Texans going against Indy. Indy does very very good uh, covering tight ends, and then also he just he, Dalton Schultz ain't getting any younger either. Uh, Logan Thomas with the Washington Commanders. Uh, you know he was active last week, um, but they they did uh, you know the Broncos contained him, and Logan Thomas is just too much of an instability at the end of the day. And last but not least. Uh, you know, Tyler Higby with the Rams uh, going against the uh, 49ers. He's just kind of an afterthought uh, after the, with these young wideouts that, th- that the Rams have. He's just kind of like there in case, you know, he's like a fire alarm, you know, break the glass in case of emergency and he's there. Um, outside of that, I really don't see where we're going to be uh, in that situation. But those are my stardoms and sentiments for week two. Uh, you know, I hope everyone has a, a success out there, except if you play me in my leagues and well, I hope you don't do so well. Uh, you know, we're, you know, my, my side, I'm two and one, uh, you know, the main league that Ladarius and I references are, uh, our, our big dynasty league, him and I faced off on a week one showdown. It didn't, it didn't go too well, uh, for Ladarius at least. Um, he did uh, afford me a lot of accolades in week one. So I, Ladarius, I am appreciative of that. So I'll turn it over to you now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Turn me over to do the outro. Great job. (laughs) Great job. Class. Yeah. Class X. Yeah. You're a class, you know, maybe the CL dash. Well, yeah, but maybe take the two, the first two letters off, but, but I, I, I did well in other leagues. So surprisingly, I did well in the IDP league, which is a league I did terrible in last year. I went in with the plan, which is something that, you know, hey, if, if you, you know, go with the plan and be flexible with the plan. As right. I always say, go in with the plan and then make sure your plan is flexible enough to make moves. So, knowing know. is half the battle. Yeah. That's and, what G.I. Joe always said. Yeah. Yeah, well, GI Joe, it worked for GI Joe. So it did. What was the other half? Don't worry about the other half. Was he just said knowing? The other half, you know, maybe GI Joe Junior will come out and answer that question. But we may we may get a Marvel GI Joe origin story there too. What was the other part? Uh, well, you got to find out. That doesn't but, matter. <laughs> but you know, good advice is always, Chris. And I'll just before we head out, like, listen, and subscribe. To the Sports of the World podcast, listen to this episode and every episode. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. And, you know, hope it was a good show as always with Chris. And until you hear us again next time, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World podcast. 
See ya.